In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. have indeed found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson this week we've got a big show for you an international show at that we kick things off with a talk with yup van gorp founder of immersive art destination dolores in tilburg in the netherlands that's just outside of amsterdam we talked to him about their meta maze we also have Evan Nyden of Candle House Collective, who are having an epic run of festival appearances this month. We'll get into the details during the segment. And we're joined by Todd Martin's game critic for the LA Times for a very playful and nerdy conversation about haunts, Avengers Campus, and the week's big VR hardware news. But first... Catherine Yu is on vacation, so you're stuck with me for headlines. And it's been a week. All right, let's get into it. Arkham Asylum has been revealed. Tickets are on sale on October 28th for a fully immersive take on the infamous asylum where Batman's villains are detained. This is going to be in London, and it opens up in next autumn. Uh... Arkham is also the setting of some of the most famous Batman stories, including the Arkham Asylum video game and the Grant Morrison, Dave McKean graphic novel from the 1980s that was part of the wave of comics that reinvented the superhero genre and Batman specifically, along with Frank Miller's Dark Knight and, of course, Alan Moore's Killing Joke and Watchmen. So fertile ground for an immersive installation to be sure the doors to the asylum are opening next fall and we'll have more on the event in a future episode of no pro wink wink nudge nudge all right uh secret cinema let's talk about secret cinema speaking of london Secret Cinema is best known for their large-scale immersive events that culminate in film screenings, such as the recreation of Hill Valley for the Back to the Future screening they did, and the famed nightclub for Moulin Rouge. They are bringing their brand of immersive magic to bear on League of Legends, the massively popular MOBA, that's a massive online battle arena game, uh, from Riot Games, but specifically, the League of Legends series, Arcane, that is about to debut on Netflix. And they're not in London this time, they're in Los Angeles. Tickets are on sale now for Arcane, Enter the Undercity, and that event starts on November 21st. Secret Cinema has finally landed in LA. We are ecstatic. And you can hear us talk about it in this week's Review Crew Show which is just one click back in the podcast feed on to VR news. HTC announced their new immersive glasses, the Vive Flow this week with a reveal on Thursday. The new device is being marketed primarily as a wellness device, but represents a significant shift in form factor for VR devices. Will HTC open up a new market? 
we'll have more in our talk with Todd Martins later in the hour. And not to be outdone, Magic Leap is back making headlines, announcing a redesigned Magic Leap 2 device and a new $500 million in investment. The company is currently focused on the business uses of AR, putting them into the same market as Microsoft's HoloLens and that company's Mesh initiative. We may see more device reveals later this month with Facebook Connect on October 28th. And finally, a little plug for us. You might know it, we've got this event called The Next Stage coming up, and this week we announced that Walt Disney Imagineering is going to have a roundtable from prototype to reality that is part of the summit. We've also announced that we are indeed doing the mini festival as part of the next stage and we're able to reveal that scout expedition companies the nest is going to be one of the options in the festival public badge sales are now live and you can request an access code let me tell you uh it's going to be an absolutely incredible lineup with folks from the royal shakespeare company with folks from department studios who are behind arkham asylum which we just talked about and all kinds of other surprises in store more programming announcements in the weeks to come. I hope to see you in Pasadena this January. And that has been our headlines. Hey, got to do that part too. Joining us now is Yup Van Gorp, the founder of Dolores, which is a art installation and bar in Tilburg, which is about an hour outside of Amsterdam. Dolores has what they call a meta maze. We're going to get into that in a second. Uh, Yup, thank you for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. So let's just get right to the question I have. I think everyone listening would have is, what is Dolores and what is a meta maze? It's, a, it's such a great term, too. I want to congratulate you guys on the term meta maze. Uh, so, so what is Dolores and what is a meta maze? Yeah, so uh, Dolores is, um, uh, it, it, we started it as a creative complex, uh, which houses two major parts. You already said it in your introduction. So we have an, uh, a maze, an art installation, and we also have a uh, rooftop uh, bar. So, um, yeah, we have two different segments. Uh, the rooftop bar is also a restaurant and a place where you can have uh, a nice drink or cocktail in the sun. Uh, but the main part that drives our organization, that's uh, Dolores' Meta Maze. And the Meta Maze is currently, what we know is, uh, is still unique in the, uh, in the world. So uh, if you want to see some, something like us, you actually cannot only go to us. If you, if you make it uh, really flat then um, it's a bit comparable to like a children playground with all the nets uh, on the side um, i'm sure you know you, you have been there once uh, when you were young oh yeah uh, but well, yeah we, we fully themed it and um, over 70 art uh, artists uh, worked on the installation so it's only for grown-ups uh, we, we're in, uh, allowing people from um, 12 years old and it's uh, actually in a trip into your inner self. That, that's that's our product. You have this really great trailer video for it, and uh, we'll 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 try to remember to link it in in the show notes. It suggests a story, so I'm I'm wondering how narrative heavy is this experience? Is it is it a linear journey you're going on? 
um, what's what's the flow here? Because I mean, the first thing that pops into mind for me when I hear about this is I think about the two, well, now three Meow Wolf facilities here in the United States, uh, which are these kind of big art playgrounds. And this sounds similar, but the the video sort of suggests that there's a there's a, a pathway journey here. Did I pick up on the right thing, or is or is this a lot more open? No, it's really an uh, open world uh, experience. Mm. Um, so, but Mia Wolf is actually, um, if you look to comparable uh, projects, and I'm sure if somebody's listening to this podcast, they will know Mia Wolf. Um, so, Mia Wolf, the big difference between uh, us and Mia Wolf is that we don't allow uh, people to go in together. So, you always go in individual. Um, and also, uh, you can't bring your phone or your watch uh, or camera or whatever. So everything that happens inside is a secret. And the only way um, to, uh, yeah, to show it to other people is to talk about it. Um, and that's a really strong, and I think the most possible way to, uh, of the best possible way to uh, immerse visitors 100%. Because when you go in together, for example, into Mia Wolf, uh, we visited and we really loved the installation. I think it's great what they're doing. But um, uh, the thing that we try to do is to uh, really um, yeah, give, give visitors their inner experience. And the only way to do that is to experience it only by yourself. Um, and that's a really strong, um, really strong mechanism. So you go in, you go in alone, but you have the ability to kind of go where you want to go. So is it possible to kind of cross paths with the other people you've you know shown up with because they're let in like a few minutes later? Yeah, so that's possible. But uh, what we try to do also when we uh, guide people uh, into the maze, um, we t- we try to separate uh, separate them a little bit so that you're not the, the, the directly the next one uh, is uh, your best friend or uh, who joins your uh, experience. Um, you see it a lot. Some people uh, do uh, uh, meet uh, each other in the maze and uh, continue their journey together. But the beginning of the experience is such an important moment to, um, if you experience that alone, a lot of people also choose because of that to, uh, to continue their journey on their own. Also, if they uh, see their friends, but um, um, yeah, to, to start an experience, get into the unknown, get into the rabbit hole all by yourself. Yeah, that's a really strong, um, really strong uh, experience. That's fascinating. Like, I, I love that you guys have made that, like, really clear choice to, like, send people in you know, by themselves. And that point you just made about, you know, people go in by themselves and then Maybe they run into their friends, but then they decide to stay solo um, because they've already been they've already been given that experience, um, and so they want to yeah. hold on to it. That's that is really really interesting to me. Uh, if you look into the um, the trailer, what you uh, asked if there is a narrative also. Actually, the, the only narrative that we um, that that w- that we share with people without really telling it, but what you see in, in, inside the trailer and what we also try to uh, hand over to the guests. Uh, when they uh, go into the maze is that they are the chosen one and you can only be the chosen one if you're the only one and that's actually our narrative so find your inner self you're the chosen one you're now ready to go in so is this a pop-up run or are you are you here for the long haul uh with with the meta maze no we're here for the long run yeah what's the long-term plan here 
Um, yeah, the long-term plan, plan is um, um, actually pretty simple. I'm uh, already working on um, new uh, Dolores's, so uh, we're planning to open a new uh, location. Um, currently, we don't have the um, uh, don't have the location site yet, but uh, we're talking with a few. Um, so um, yeah, I hope this month, but maybe uh, yeah, I think in the media hour later um, you will get a sign uh, that we are moving on with it. But um, yeah, I'm. Uh, we're actually working already for uh, for that uh, like a year or something like that to uh, to create a new installation somewhere. Um, and our plan is to uh, build every year a new one from on uh, 2023. So, what was the primary inspiration to create this? Um, it's actually a personal experience. So, um, I went to uh, with uh, two friends to uh, Berlin uh, like like a long time ago. Uh, I think already 11 years ago. And um, yeah, I was, um, if you go to Berlin, it's a really eclectical city. So when you walk around the corner, you can experience a complete new uh, area uh, in the city, but also in clubs and also in the the restaurant. So um, there was really a feeling that really, um, really uh, hit me. It was like in a positive way. And then, by the end of the trip, we uh, we visited um, uh, the maze in uh, in Berlin, uh, which was uh, there, um, and it was um, created. And uh, yeah, it, it, uh, the start was actually coming. It was impossible, I think, to create this kind of experience if the Berlin Wall wasn't fallen. So it's um, there was a lot of empty buildings in that area. Um, so um, yeah. Uh, the artists um, got their way of uh, working free and um, do the, do their thing, and uh, eventually that evolved into the uh, into uh, in Paris del Singum uh, that was uh, of Carmenoia in uh, in Berlin. And, uh, I visited that installation without knowing what uh, what uh, what to expect, and then it uh, hit me so hard, uh, and I was so inspira- uh, full of inspiration. That, um, that I was really um, thinking, okay, this should be possible on, the, on more places in the world. What role do you think this kind of large-scale experiential art plays in people's lives? I think um, more and more people are lo- looking for something else than their regular life. They want to, they want, they want to get inspired. So... Um, we're living more and more in a digital world. The, the cities we're living in are um, also all everywhere in the world looking more uh, the same. So um, if you look into uh, to the restaurants, all the new hip uh, bars say, yeah, it, it's like the world is really connecting. And that's I think that's a really positive uh, thing. But one of the uh, elements that's uh, also um, changing that is that the world is more looking the same. So we're, we're also getting less surprised. And um, I think people are looking for that surprise. They want to they wanna, they wanna experience something and have a moment that their eyes open uh, and uh, they got a small tintling on their skin uh, uh, just to... Um, that they experience something that, that's really nice and that's uh, beautiful and created with love. And uh, I think uh, people are more and more uh, looking for that. And um, the element that we also add to that is that we really have an, um, 
because of we have the device free experience the, the, the no watches no uh, cameras and no uh, phones um, it's really a place where you can slow down time and um, be with yourself and enjoy the moment and uh, I think that's a really powerful um, thing that that's a lot of people are uh, are missing now in their lives also when I looked to my life then um, there's always a screen uh, nearby and um, the habits uh, to always get to the screen is really uh, sometimes also really annoying so um, uh, and just to have a walk in the park or uh, do stuff like that I think that's nice and that creates a, a lot of chillness uh, into your life but also sometimes you want to be um, uh, yeah, tickled and uh, experience something new and um, uh, I think that ex- uh, to experience something new those are actually the art and entertainment experiences that are now popping up in uh, the immersive uh, entertaining uh, uh, world but um, yeah I'm, um, I'm curious where it will lead to I, of course I have some ide- ideas and um, uh, the Star Wars uh, hotel that's coming up that's also uh, really an idea that I was already thinking of um, to organize something like that uh, uh, years ago. So I'm really happy uh, uh, Disney is now uh, pulling it off and starting in March. I think they were, they will open next year. But, uh, That's right. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm really, uh, I'm really looking, uh, looking forward to what the the boundary will, will be that people will um, uh, yeah, be able to, uh, I think that's the limit to to pay for the experience because how how better and how cooler the experience and how longer it it will take, how more uh, costly it, it will uh, get. So yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really uh, curious uh, what that uh, sign will uh, do. But what I also think is that um, cities are more and more looking like uh, theme parks actually. So they also looking for attractions and then immersive experiences are a really cool way to have like a totally different experience than the city in, in a short time. Just one, one more question and then, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. But so does that mean as you look to make more meta mazes that when you, you pop up another one, it'll sort of be unique to that city. Is that sort of your plan there? Yeah, for sure. So also how we see it is that um, the same as Harry Potter and the chamber of secrets, we have Dolores, the meta maze. And the next one will be Dolores, and then we give it a new name. So mm. um, th- th- that's really the way we think. Um, and um, so every maze that we will build will be a new one. Um, maybe it's possible that we also build uh, like copies of experiences, but then on the other side of the world, maybe that's an option. We will investigate that but it's we are not there yet now so um first step is uh yeah build the second installation and uh, yeah we're really looking forward to uh, to show it to uh, to the crowds it's actually already fully designed so we know how it's uh, how it will look like and all the elements that we will put in but um yeah we're waiting for the location and then uh, we can uh, we can start all right well you Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. And uh, hopefully at some point I will be able to get out of the States and uh, come uh, check out a Dolores somewhere in the world. Yeah, you're more than welcome. And uh, I hope I can get into the States also pretty soon. (laughs) That's that's coming together.
We've reached that part of the show where we like to talk to our friends from around the Immersiverse, uh, both at home and abroad. This week, our friend Todd Martins, the game critic for the Los Angeles Times and a uh, explorer of the immersive realms, is with us. Todd, thank you for joining us on the show this week. Thank you for having me. You've been busy. You just had an article about uh, the LA uh, haunt scene come out in the LA Times this week. And kind of, I guess I should say on behalf of the community, thank you for that. It's always nice to have a spotlight on uh, this work in uh, in the mainstream press. Well, no, yeah. Um, well, thank you for saying that. I hope I didn't embarrass myself. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I always define um, play as, you know, like you say game critic. I define game critic as like play. So it's like anything where we're role-playing or like being uh, more active in our inter- entertainment to me is play. So uh, immersive theater, I think to me, I define it as the act of play. Do you think, uh, do you think this year's uh, crop of, of what you got to check out with delusion and creep is a, it's a pretty good exemplar of, of how LA rocks it. Like there was a great sort of note in the piece about just sort of LA's relationship to this work versus say New York's. Um, yeah, I mean, I think as, you know, you know this world obviously much better than I do, but I think, you know, as, as someone who's a fan of it and, you know, does dip in and write about it now and again, you know, it's during uh, September, October is sort of like when, at least when it comes to large scale sort of events, you know, that are in sort of, you know, limited run in sort of, you know, offbeat sort of locations. Um, it's when LA really sort of starts to like come alive with sort of these sort of, you know, so-called immersive shows. Um, and I thought, you know, I, one of the reasons did the story this time, as opposed to sort of in, in years past when I've passed up on writing about, you know, delusion or creep, it's just sort of, you know, obviously last year, everything was curtailed or uh, done in sort of different ways because of the pandemic. So this was sort of like a return. And I thought both of these uh, returns were done in, um, you know, they were they were definitely spectacles, um, I thought, and I, I had a, a, a fine time at both. And I thought both of them pulled from the game world, gaming world in different ways. Um, and I thought both of them did a good job of, you know, not loading you too heavy on plot in the beginning. Um, mm. You know, and I, I was through Creep with uh, and, and their their show is, you know, as, as you know, it's in a in a bar in Hollywood that they've transformed into a town. One of the people in my group had never seen an immersive show before, and he thought this was just a regular haunted house that he was talked into by his friends to go to. And <laughs> and the first like thirty minutes, when you're just sort of in a bar and you could interact with cast or not interact with cast, he was just like, "This, I'm going to have the worst time of my life. What am I doing?" Um, you know, he thought it was going to be a, a sort of DIY version of like a Halloween horror maze at Universal or something. I think. Um, but I, he ended up having an amazing time. And even though he didn't interact with the cast as much as, you know, someone like I did, um, you know, I thought they did a good job of sort of telling the narrative through the environment and hitting the large points of the narrative that if you were pretty new to this world, you weren't sort of like confused or lost or uncomfortable as to why somebody is suddenly grabbing your arm and whispering in your ear. So the indie immersive stuff is not the only thing you've been checking out this spooky season. Before we started recording, you mentioned uh, something very not independent that uh, you think is doing a good job and kind of touches up on the immersive realm. Yes. I mean, I've been to, uh, so I've been to Universal Studios and I've been to Disneyland's Halloween events. 
And I think the highlight for me is that this is the second time Disneyland has done this in Disney California Adventure as part of their Oogie Boogie Bash. They have a their version of a sort of haunt trail called um, Villain's Grove. And I think it's like one of my favorite things, um, you know, Imagineering and Parks Entertainment has done in recent years. It's um, it's not scary. You know, obviously it's a Disney event, but it's this really sort of mystical, magical um, sort of walk through maze sort of. So the area in Disney California Adventure where this maze is, is in the Grizzly Peak area of the park. Um, and it's in an area that's normally uh, an activity playground area. For oh, the, the Brother Bear rope maze thing, Correct. right? Yeah. Yes. Brother so, Bear. Sorry, I just have to do it. I'm, I'm contractually obligated yeah. to say it that way. No, I enjoy it. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's set up in that area where you walk around and they transform it with all its projections and music. And what it is, it's sort of like you're entering sort of like what would be, it's not quite the home of the villains, but sort of like where the villains would maybe like get together and hang out and have secret meetings. <laughs> um, but They're it's like, layers. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like the, like, like if the Legion of doom, but for Disney uh, <laughs> exactly. characters, right? Yeah. I get it. I dig. So and they've got like this really lovely, like Alice in Wonderland area. And like, you don't necessarily see the Cheshire cat, but you'll see like the cat materialize on the trees. And when you go into the snow white area, you'll see the forest, you know, taken over by lightning and thunder and you'll see reflections of, you know, the, the evil queen um, against the backdrops. And it's just sort of like, it's a little understated and, you know, it's shows that Disney could sort of do like a walkthrough sort of experience. It made me really excited for what is happening in Epcot with the Moana water walkthrough that they're building. Mm. Um, so just sort of this idea of immersing yourself in a world as a walkthrough experience um obviously they, they don't do oh sorry oh, no uh, the the moana so they're doing a water walkthrough with the moana so it's like projection mapping so it's like world of color dancing waters but you can walk through it like are we gonna be able to basically walk through the wonderful world of color um i think well it's gonna run day and night and it's gonna be oh. open all hours so i don't think it's gonna oh, be wow. heavy on projections gotcha. i think it's gonna be heavy on like fountains and heavy mm. on you know uh heavy on sort of uh you know colored water i guess um, so I think it's going to be, but it's, it's going to, and it is an Epcot, so it's going to have a little bit of a edutainment sort of feel, or at least I hope. Um, but, um, you yeah. gotta, you gotta learn about these brands somehow, Todd, <laughs> how else are children going to learn about brands? <laughs> it's not YouTube and learning other things on YouTube. So, <laughs> so yeah, no, but it's, you know, they don't do this kind of stuff often because obviously it's low, uh, capacity. Um, but it was just, you know, another sort of toolkit that um it just i don't know it just made me really excited for uh different types of experiences in these parks beyond you know just the, the rides or the uh ip overlays of things speaking of ip overlays no kidding kidding, kidding. <laughs> that's a rough segue i'm gonna keep it just to show what kind of jerk i am but it's not inaccurate um, <laughs> yeah uh so there's been uh you know out, out with a bug's life in with Avengers Campus, which you've gotten a chance to go to. I have not gotten a chance to go to yet. So I'm I'm very because I I know where like our tastes overlap. So I'm I'm really curious like what your what your vibe is for uh for this gathering point, this multi multiversal gathering point for the Earth's mightiest heroes. Yes. So I've gotten a chance to go to it now a number of times. I've been back to the park uh, quite a bit. Um 
And yeah, I feel like Avengers Campus is sometimes um, rated on a curve, um, you know, and instead of what it is and what it's out to do and does it do those things well, um, it is, you know, just as the title says, a campus, there's an Avengers headquarters where the Avengers and the Avengers all sort of hang out in this land. It's not a Galaxy's Edge type place. It's not a place where you're going to go and get lost mid-story. Um, it's not, there is no connection with, you know, the, the Disney play app. There's no sort of sense. There's no sort of underlying game to the land. It's just sort of, you go and it's almost like a Disneyland sort of, it felt very much like, like one of the big influences for this land was like a Comic-Con type experience where Mm -hmm. it's like, just go and hang out with characters and meet characters and, um, maybe see characters that that there is a, a stunt show that is well done. Um, and there is a spider. Lucky. They got a stunt <laughs> show. We didn't get a stunt show. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I don't self-identify with a certain franchise at all. Uh, <laughs> I think that's where this, that's where the stunt show went. Um, <laughs> that's fantastic. How smart of them. <laughs> it's a well done stunt show. Um, the land is clearly designed as a place to like hang out. It looks, it doesn't look any at like any other land at, at Disneyland. It looks like a place that could be, it looks like a place that could be in downtown Orange. Um, you know, it's like Wait, Sorry, I'm sorry. Is that, no. is that a feature? Or is that, or is that a is that a is that a robot bug? I don't know. I I I was I was born there. I don't see. Sorry, it's hard for me to. Um, there's a nice little sort of brick, couple brick streets in that area. So that's not okay. sneaky enough. It's like the little, the little antiquing section the of it, you know, like downtown, right? Is, yeah. is there a Polly, Polly's Pies nearby? Like, you know, then little. I'm going to be into it. Actually, how is the food? I got to admit, how is the food? Have you tried like the, the Hank Pym various sized food items? It's, uh, as far as theme park food goes, it's not, uh, it's not bad. If you're in Disney California Adventure, I'd still go for, um, I'd still go for Lamplight Lounge over in Pixar Pier or the Carthay Lounge, um, mm. you know, or, um, you know, I, I, there's nothing, there's nothing in Avengers Campus that is as good as the Ronto Wrap, um, <laughs> even though they do have oversized and shrunken food. That, that is, that disappoints me. I, I love a Ronto Wrap. I was very excited to eat virtual ones, um, particularly because I thought I was going to go eat a real one soon and then, and then that didn't get to happen. Um, and then uh, I love the Carthay Circle. Like I've had, I've had birthday dinners at the Carthay Circle. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not the exact same type of nerd you are, but we are pretty close. So that, so that, yeah, that makes me. So, so it's just like you know, oh, here's a giant pretzel. Like, oh, here's a here's a tiny burger. Like, was, is that yeah. the whole? That's the whole thing. It's yeah, basically, mm. it, there's like a chicken fried steak that is. Did you have the shawarma? Um, I've had most everything but the shawarma. Oh, okay. Um, so I haven't had the shawarma and I, I just haven't had the shawarma because everybody who's had the shawarma tells me just to eat the, eat the Ronto wrap. Um, but then maybe it's the Ronto wrap. Maybe the shawarma is just the Ronto wrap in a different form. And then maybe we can just convince Marvel fans that Ronto wraps are cool because it's just the shawarma from Avengers. See, I'm, I'm getting strategic here. <laughs> I like the way you're thinking, but yeah, it's generally like, like a chicken fried steak. It's pressed. So it's bigger. And then it's, it's put on, it's put in sort of a uh, slider buns. So it looks smaller. Um, I, I did have a, I did sh- share the giant pretzel with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. And um, I'm, I'm going to say like the pretzel was good. Um, it needs like some fancy mustard. If you're going to do like a giant pretzel, you need like some fancy cheese, some fancy mustard. It doesn't have that. Oh, it doesn't um, have beer cheese. 
No, it's just got the uh, regular old theme park cheese. Um, you got to You got to have beer. Just hey, Imagineering, tell Food and Bev that they need some beer cheese. You need the, some the, pub cheese. Yeah. Yeah, you need some pub cheese. Yeah, it doesn't. You don't have to call it beer cheese. I mean, we know what it is, but you need it. You can't. You can't feed. You can't convince Middle America. I mean, look if if it's if you can get better at Applebee's, there's a problem. Well, no, and you could get the same cheese um, at any other pretzel stand in the park. So the one that's in the pub theme to uh, Ant-Man and Wasp should have something a little different. Yeah. Honey, right? You know, right? it's a bug exactly. food or something. Honey mustard. I don't know. Like, get creative. All right. Okay. Well, clearly it's lunchtime. But uh, <laughs> so it sounds like it sounds like it's it's all right there. You know, yeah, like it's, I mean, it's a nice it's a nice addition. It's a nice update. But, you know. Yeah, I guess in closing, I would say like when I mentioned the downtown orange reference, I mentioned it as like it, it's clearly designed as a place um, when Disneyland had annual pass holders. Like it's a place that you would go mm. and hang out, um, you know, on a Friday night and have a, a fancy drink, go on the Spider-Man interactive ride, which is designed so you can buy toys and ride it multiple times to get different scores. Um, so it was designed clearly as like a locals hangout sort of place. Um, and as Which that, is no I, longer the plan, right? So it's a little difficult at the moment with the reservation system. But I, as that kind of design for a land, I think it you know succeeds. If you're expecting a Galaxy's Edge or uh, a New Orleans Square or a Cars Land, it is it is not that. Um, but you know, you can draw your own conclusions, I guess. Yeah. I, that that is interesting. That it's like feels like something that was smartly constructed for an era that no longer exists. That They're was literally just like two years ago. Correct, and you know I think they were looking at you know uh, I think from a strategic perspective, it's here's our biggest global brand. So let's turn it into if we're not going to build something that rivals Galaxy's Edge in terms of scope and um, artistry, let's build something that is you know uh, a place that you would go to that you would that encourages repeat visits and um, would be a place that's sort of a hangout, sort of downtown-y type place in the park. Um, so I, I think if you're a, a day guest, you can go in there and, you know, if you catch a show, you're lucky. If you don't catch a show, you can kind of feel like maybe there's not enough to do. All right. Well, there's one more thing I want to talk about, and uh, it's something you got a chance to catch that was – when this is airing just was announced yesterday. So, uh, and it's a, it's a tech thing. So, uh, hit us up with that. Yes. So I got a preview of a new HTC Vive, uh, headset. So it's not, they're not calling it a virtual reality headset. They're calling it immersive glasses is what they've uh, dubbed the term. Take a drink, everybody. <laughs> so we're getting <laughs> wasted tonight. Um, <laughs> Immersive glasses, um, and it's it's called the Vive Flow. Um, so I got a hands-on experience with it. I don't have a review set, so I, I haven't sort of put it through its paces. Um, so I could just sort of talk about initial impressions. Um, it's it's essentially just like a large pair of glasses. It's very simple to take on and off. It's very light. Um, I think their press release describes it as the same weight as a chocolate bar, which is 189 grams. Wow. Um, so it's, but it's, it's just slides on and off. It's very, that's what's so nice about it is I will say it is very comfortable. Um, I'm going to say this, the, the bad news and the catch, there's always a catch is it is designed for Android devices. It is a design to be 
to work with a mobile phone. Um, it will mirror your mobile phone and it runs, it, the mobile phone does the heavy lifting here, um, the smartphone. And so the smartphone is where the apps are gonna live. And if you don't have an Android phone, you're a little bit out of luck because you're probably not gonna spend $500 on these glasses and then buy an Android phone just for the glasses. Mm -hmm. um, which uh, on the flip side though, um, I do think it does have some expired. I do think it is sort of an exciting product, whether or not it catches on. I do think it's sort of a step in the right direction of, it is not a gaming device. It is not, you know, the, it's not, a, it's not a quest to, you're not going to do a heavy gaming on this sort of thing. And they're not selling it as that they're selling it as sort of a health and wellness device. Um, so you would do like meditative apps. Um, you would do, uh, they're selling it as sort of like brain exercises um things you could put on for five or ten minutes um and you don't have to be fully you know one thing uh, when you're using a vr headset as we all know it's like you put it on you take it off and it, it take, you know sometimes i won't go if there's a vr app that i want to or a game i want to play i just won't even bother because i don't want to put the thing on and, um this is very easy you just it's it's really a pair of glasses um, oh, wow. it's very simple and so i think that but, is but, it, but, it's, right but it's shooting you like VR style environments, but just in, in the glasses. Yes. Form factor. So like full occlusion. Full inclusion. Um, oh, occlusion, full occlusion. Full, so like full you're, occlusion, you're, yes. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not, you're not seeing the, when you put the glasses on and like you see the world inside the glasses, not the outside world. Yeah. So I mean, oh, wow. for, for the tech people, it's got a, I'm, I'm looking at a, it's a, it's got a 75 HD refresh rate, um, 3.2 K resolution. Um, but it's, you know, uh, and it's got a nice audio sound. It's, uh, I did a couple meditative apps in my limited time with it. And I did one, uh, simple game, um, where currently you'll be using the phone as a controller. There will be, uh, add-on devices, um, that will motion track your, your hands via Bluetooth. Um, but those will connect to the phone, which will then beam the information to the, uh, headset. Um, so it's, I feel like they're not they're not selling it to the heavy VR user. They're, I think it's a device as sort of you know, they're selling it for somebody who's interested in tech but maybe hasn't dipped into this world yet. Um, and I think it's the kind of thing. As someone who writes about VR now and again, I've always sort of said for VR to be as big as the people who love it want it to be, it's got to be as simple as a pair of glasses. Um, and this gets us a step closer in that direction. And yeah, the quality think, is great. Um, it's not, it's not something where you put those old headsets where you put the phone in the glasses. You know, the, these are really nice glasses. Oh wow! So a step above the old Samsung Gear VR type setups, and and would you say like it looks? Does it does it feel like you're looking through like an Oculus Quest or something, but without like all the weight? Like is that how the image quality looks? And you turn your head around, and it, and it's the same kind of like, oh yeah, I'm. I'm these glasses let me see this alternate world, which is all around me. Yeah. So I did um, the wellness sort of app, uh, Trip. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah. Or... Trips and Trips on Quest. Trips yeah. on Quest. Yeah. Nenia Reeves, uh, I believe, uh, is the creator of that. Of yes. Yeah. That sounds right. I'm saying yes. <laughs> so, um, um, I'm hoping you're correct, but that sounds right. Um, but, um, I, I may have butchered the pronunciation of her first name, but I, but I know her. I, yes, I, that I is correct. Who it is. Yeah, yeah, that is correct. Um, and um, but no, I, I would say for an app like that, you know, um, I came home and did it on my Quest um, when I got home, and 
the quality was pretty much, I, I, I didn't have them side by side, you know, so it was a couple hours removed from doing it on the flow versus doing it on the quest, but the quality was about the same as far as like wow. my memory could serve. Um, you know, but that's not like a heavy lifting sort of, you know, yeah. galaxy's edge type app. It, it, it's a little bit more of a, uh, mindfulness sort of app, but for something like that, I, I, I couldn't tell a difference between the quests. Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, this has become a really interesting week in this, in this cut, because I guess we had the day we're recording this, we had the current CEO of magic leap, like announced their, their second device, which they're aiming at you know, B2B. And then literally like an hour later, like, you know, Boz just tweeted out like a picture of him wearing something more lightweight. And it's like, really, really y'all like, like, Ooh, don't worry. We're doing stuff. It's like, guys, don't be thirsty like that. Uh, and everyone of, everyone of course is waiting on Apple to do something. And they announced an event on Monday, but it's just going to be new Max, you know, like I got very excited for five seconds and then like quickly looked up the Mac places like, oh yeah, they're just going to announce new Macintoshes. I'm like, whatever, you know, I can't afford a new MacBook. It might come in black now. It's like, oh good. It's something I want that I can't afford for fashion purposes. Exactly. Um, so uh, yeah, still, still waiting on Apple to get in the game. Uh, but sometimes when I look at this stuff and I, I see where that the technology seems to have maybe taken a, a big step forward that's exciting that there's this new form factor and if if you can get you know if you can get that glasses form factor into so and there's no external trackers like they're using the sensors on the device to do the head tracking and all that stuff that that sounds like a not insignificant technical advancement there's uh yeah the, the I'm not a tech reporter, so I don't want to yeah. say something and get something wrong. But even on their uh, press materials, it doesn't go heavy into the tech. Um, but I think the, it's it's so light. I don't think that uh, I think they tried to they tried to go as small as possible with as high a quality as they could, and they realized from talking to them at the event was they realized this wasn't going to appeal to like a quote unquote gamer. Um, you know, they're going to go for one of the other Vibe headsets or one of the Quests or one of the Oculus headsets. Um, so they're trying to, I think, tap into a consumer that hasn't yet bought into VR. Um, and, and perhaps that's why they're not using the word VR in any of their sort of, in most of their phrasing. Yeah. Um, just calling it immersive sort of uh, glasses. Um, although, you know, it will, it will run a number of their VR apps, but... Um, yeah, they're really going after sort of the mindfulness sort of field. I imagine um, they'll go after a, a B2B sort of community as well, but um, I could definitely see a lot of applications for that. Um, it does have two front-facing cameras, so you can easily switch to a, a camera view of the world, you know, inside the headset like you can on the Quest, but there's really no reason to because you can just flip it flip it up. Yeah. Um, so we're we're gonna get it's getting interesting again it's getting interesting again well todd we've eaten up a bunch of your day so uh but i want to thank you so much for swinging by the the virtual podcast studio and uh and sharing your latest adventures with us yeah i know i'm uh, uh grateful to be here and happy to do this um as often or as as often <laughs> or as non not often i'm looking for a word that i can't find as needed. <laughs> it's okay <laughs> 
<laughs> you're 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 always welcome, and uh, we've definitely got to we'll have you back before the year's through. I can guarantee that. So sounds good. Now we'd like to take a moment to thank the latest backers of No Proscenium. They are Venetia Harpin and Noah Nethery. And we want to introduce our latest sustaining backer, a longtime backer who has bumped up their pledge into that level. That is Jerome Joseph Gentis. Thank you so much. And God knows, I hope I didn't butcher your name just there. <laughs> Jerome, we are due for a talk uh, for certain. Here's the thing. Uh, we are functionally a charity and uh, we live on your largesse. We want to get to 67 new backers to hit our number of 400 backers for No Persinium by the end of 2021. We ask for just 2 or $5 a month. Uh, the more we spread it out, uh, the better. Patreon.com slash No Persinium is how to help us out. Remember, it's not just the podcast, it's the website. It's everything immersive, both that website and the Facebook group, all that we do, my life. <laughs> for you in that form patreon.com slash no proscenium we really do need the help thanks hi this is laura hess i'm the arts editor of no proscenium and each week we publish our review rundown and gather the review crew for a podcast where we check in with what everyone is buzzing about. But it's here, and only here, where we reveal the pick of the week. The pick of the week this week is brought to us by... Hey everyone, it's Patrick McLean, the Chicago curator. And Patrick, what is this week's pick of the week? It is Dr. Crumb's School for Disobedient Pets. This is from Adventure Lab. It is a VR experience. It is $75 a session, and each session can handle up to two to eight players. And so what makes this a pick of the week? What makes it the pick of the week is that it is just downright wacky, zany, and easygoing fun. Essentially, you and up to seven other players are tasked with infiltrating the evil Dr. Crumb's school to stop the doomsday weapon that he's created from going off. But conveniently, Dr. Crumb has all sorts of obstacles and puzzles in the way that prevent you from ultimately just strolling in and stopping the doomsday machine. So you essentially are working as a team collaboratively to solve a bunch of escape room-like puzzles. And what I think is great is twofold. One is that this makes the most of the VR format. I think there are really cool environments. There's great ways to interact with the environment, but also with other players. You are always moving around. It is definitely engaging and fun. Other thing that really makes this experience is the performances. So while you are engaging with a whole cast of characters during this hour-long experience, it's actually only one performer who is doing all of those roles. And they are constantly funny and engaging, and they are giving memorable experiences left and right that you're going to be left thinking about long after you complete Dr. Crumbs. I, I honestly 
had a really delightful time where we talked about this a little bit on the review crew podcast, but this is an experience where even if I had failed that all the other players, we didn't solve our puzzles and obstacles, just the fact of going through the motions and engaging with this performer made all the difference to me. It it, it was just truly a delightful time and something really cool. And I think really makes the most of VR that it doesn't require a first person shooter experience to have fun, that this is something you can do with other people and it is collaborative, engaging, and requires a whole bunch of teamwork and communication to successfully make it through to the end. And Patrick, one quick key question, which critter were you in this experience? I, being true to form, was a cat. (laughs) Okay, there you have it. Uh, Don't forget you can find the review rundown at noproscenium.com and this week's review crew podcast just one spot back in your podcast feed. Joining us now is Evan Nyden, creator of Candle House Collective. Candle House, which is fairly familiar to a lot of No Presidium listeners, uh, it's a favorite of us here at NoPro, are in the middle of a very heavy festival season uh, with their piece Next Time, currently at 5Rs. Claws is going to be at Indiecade, which is coming up, and each and every will be at the Denver Film Festival this November, along with uh, quite a few other no pro favorites, as I'm being reminded by all the releases that are going out today from Landon. Uh, Evan, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. So um, you're busy. (laughs) (laughs) A bit. How how do how do these come together? Uh, what's you know the and and each of these are so different. You've got five R's, which is you know the you know augmented and virtual reality storytelling. Uh, you've got Indiecade, which is you know the Festival of Independent Games, and you have the Denver Film Festival, which is like it says on the tin, the Denver Film Festival. Three radically different gatherings in some way, sort of bound together by their collective love of all this weird stuff. But how did how did these all come about? I think, like you said, you know, these festivals are uh, kind of embracing the weird stuff. And, you know, we very much consider ourselves among weird stuff. Um, so, you know, we're, and we're kind of learning uh, as, as these festivals go goes on. You know, we've created at this point 25 of these, um, uh, you know, telephonic or remote pieces. We've been working, you know, we've been. Uh, Candlehouse has been creating since 2018. And um, I think now we're learning that just because the form is the same doesn't mean that, you know, it, it doesn't, that there isn't room for a massive amount of diversity inside of it, you know, and for variety mm-hmm. inside of it. Um, you know, yeah, a, a lot of our sort of mainstay um, shorter pieces might be phone based, but um Claws has attracted a, uh, a, a sizable gaming audience in the way that, that our other pieces haven't uh, because it sort of has this unique, it's a, it's a thriller 
um, with a fair amount of, you know, moments of agency and um, a very clear objective. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the clearest concepts to put on a tin. There's a, there's a, you know, kid named Danny with a monster in his closet and he's calling you for help. Like what, you know, what, what to do with it. Um, And, you know, so that's, that's, uh, that's attracted a, a gaming audience, whereas a piece like each and every, which is, you know, somewhere between a autobiography documentary kind of thing and a nod to neo-futurism gets a really sizable, you know, experimental film audience. Um, and the next time is, is, is somewhere in the middle. It's, you know, it's a comedy. It's a huge um, love letter to, you know, Douglas Adams and Beetlejuice and things like that. And that audience is probably, um, probably our most varied. I think next time bridges the gap between, you know, film fans, theater fans, and game fans. But the nice thing about doing these festivals is that we've, we've, had people come to see the pieces, you know, a piece through the festival that was most appropriate to them. And this whole other realm of art and entertainment is open up to them, you know, not just us, but, um, you know, immersive theater in general. And they uh, segue from video games into immersive theater or from film into immersive theater, um, you know, for the people who weren't already fans of this kind of, this, this kind of, participatory work. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I, I think accessibility has a lot to do with that. You know, it's, it's any, anybody with a cell phone, good reception in a place they can be alone can do one of these three pieces we have running. And, um, uh, you know, that opens up doors to people who may not be in places where immersive theater is a really big thing. And maybe they'll discover this whole new universe of art, um, through what we're doing and, and go check out all the other cool stuff that's being done. So as you get exposed to these new audiences, and I know that next time in clause and each and every are, are pieces that you developed, maybe even some pre quarantine, some stirrings, if, if memory serves, uh, correct me, please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm often wrong. Yeah. N- uh, next time was, was 2019. Uh, and, and the other two were kind of <sighs> were COVID pieces. Yeah. I- I did good. Uh, but so as, as you're getting, as you're getting exposed to these new audiences, do you find yourself not so much like interested in different subjects, but like, do you feel like it's changing how you approach some of the work? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, the core will always be there. You know, we're, um, we started with storytelling you know, the, the, the first experience we ever did that five month long uh, alternate reality experience was, you know, this kind of torn up and reassembled series of, um, you know, uh, twilight zone interpretations of some of my favorite folktales. But, um, you know, I think definitely we're, you know, we find ourselves gearing a lot more toward, what we call short form work, you know, pieces that are 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 80 minutes, rather than the three day pieces that, that, um, we started with, you know, last time we were on this podcast, we were talking about, um, if I, I think I'm remembering right. We were talking about Moonlight Serenade, which was a three day piece. And each day had, you know, a series of encounters all making up a bigger story. Whereas now we're taking cues from specifically 
our film audience in mm. creating pieces that are more self-contained because one of the things that, you know, I, I think, and, and it seems like film audiences think makes, makes the film genre so compelling as, and I know that's a, that's a very strange and broad statement, but, um, you know, specifically horror movies or, um, you know, documentaries is that, they're telling a very a story much larger than the container that it's in and we've always dealt in you know the imagination i mean you know we're we take away all your senses except for your hearing most of the time so everything you know we're we do most of the work in your head i think film in a way uh in a in a, in a different but equal you know a very effective way does that as well. You know, it's a, it's a, uh, your average film is what, 90 minutes, but it right. covers a story that's been, you know, that ranges, you know, way before the film begins and way after the credits roll. Um, yeah. There's, if you, yeah. if you've got a really great filmmaker and, and I mean, people can hear that and think like, Oh, well the Marvel universe, like, you know, like, like, yeah, it connects all those like movies together. It's like, that's not what we're talking about. That's a soap opera. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a TV series on the big screen. Sorry, everybody, but it is, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy them, but it's, it's not, it's not this idea of, you know, what you're talking about is, you know, there's a world bigger than the story we're getting. And hopefully the 90 minutes or the two hours that we spend inside the world of the film, you know, ha has some layers to it. It, it. it suggests the things that are just outside of the frame. It suggests, I think, particularly importantly, the interiority of the characters, which mm -hmm. is something that, you know, a visual medium paradoxically can, can have a lot of difficulty with. But the films that are great often avoid, you know, the flatness of the frame and create a sense of, of depth. And that inevitably means that they're entering into the theater of the mind. It, it really, um, what we, what we want to focus on there, you know, the, in, in every, in each of the experiences we do, our, our goal is, you know, it's, it's not just participatory. It's not just interactive. We, we you know, as, as in, it's not just what some people uh, or some, some, uh, um, frames of, frames of, thought consider interactive um where it's you know you participate at moments and then sit back for other moments our goal is always yeah there's a there's a story happening before a story happening after but this is the part of this is the part of the story where you and the character or characters intersect and you're a critical part of that and then when you're when your part in it is over it's not like you're missing out on what happens after it's your part in it is over that's your that's your story you know from from start to finish you know we're not we're not cutting you off early we're concluding it uh at least that's what we try to do pandemic's been such a stressful time to do anything but it seems like the craft you're honing is really flourishing how's your you know combined 2020 2021 been as as I ask, as you you march into you know your busiest festival season <laughs> ever, you know I think I know what the answer is going to be, but you know still, how's it I going? I mean, you know, it, 
by the time the pandemic rolled around, um, we already knew that this kind of thing worked. You know, the, the telephonic theater wasn't, I mean, we're always going to be an experimental theater company. That's what we call ourselves on our website, but it wasn't so much an experiment anymore. That's why we started experimenting with other things. You know, a, a recent piece we did um, called Lovers Anonymous was uh, involved video chat. And there was actually another uh, piece for the Help series that Claus was a part of called On the Serenity of Oranges, which was uh, similar in its sort of, uh, you know, standalone format. It was a 50-ish minute piece, but it was all video. Um, if anything, I think the the pandemic expanded our options <laughs> rather mm. than ra rather than limiting them uh, in terms of remote work because as we as you know we and everybody else kind of settled into the pandemic, it gave us the space to say, okay, we're not we don't have to we don't have to convince people to take a leap of faith and try this thing they've never tried before, try remote theater anymore. You know, that was a big part of when we were first starting out in 2018 with our first ticketed piece, it was a question of how do we sell something like this? You know, it, it, like nobody's doing it. How, how do we, how do we present this? Um, you know, we kind of, we figured it out. And then with the pandemic, we didn't have to do that anymore. Um, so we were we were kind of freed from having to try and define it as one thing to make it make sense because it made sense so then we got to expand you know video and um other multimedia and uh you know briefly even exploring physical deliveries and 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 things like that uh you know and now that now, as we kind of emerge, you know, the pandemic isn't over by any means, but as as we see the light at the end of the tunnel and we emerge out the other side, those options stick with us. And, and with all these festivals, I think the opportunity is only there to keep going. As you look forward and, and past this festival season, what are you excited about exploring uh, in, in the next crop of experiences? We have a few different projects in the works, all of which are pretty sizable. You know, there's there's one thing that kind of is a reach back to our traditional format. But aside from that, everything else is expanding in different directions. You know, we have we have our um, uh, Firestarter initiative, which the, the piece Lovers Anonymous that I mentioned was our pilot project for that, which is our incubator program that's... Um, slowly becoming our kind of educational side of things. You know, how do you make uh, remote theater? How do you, um, that isn't just in-person, uh, you know, an in-person concept shoehorned into a remote format. How do you create for a remote stage, so to speak? Um, we have that going on. Uh, we have a few other projects that are huge departures from our traditional work. And I, I can't really say any more than that, but I'm, really excited and I'm grateful for the time that we had to imagine and, and, and expand, you know. There's definitely some relief in knowing that despite how hard everything's been the past couple of years, that some good has come out of it in terms of people being able to 
explore and hone their voice and to watch an artist like you and a company like yours um, be able to thrive in a, in a trying time definitely helps sustain us like watching that helps give us some faith that we're not crazy to be carrying on. So it's just, it's been good to see Evan. It's been really good to see. To, to misquote a phrase, desperation is the mother of invention. And, <laughs> you know, we were desperate. I mean, we had figured out the form, but all of, all of us who make up Candle House were, and, and, you know, we've grown since then, but in, in, in numbers, but at the time, all of us who made up Candle House were, were scared, you know, I mean, I mean, life in a lot of ways, obviously was, and you know, this is a song that's been sung many times, but life for all of us was, was really unfamiliar. You know, I, w- I had just come from, um, a very, you know, it, not like before the quarantine, I had just come from a very difficult like, uh, part point in my life health wise. And, you know, other, other people in the, um, in the collective were, uh, also, were also either coming from or entering really difficult times. And the work, which had been an experiment became a, a, a refuge, um, which is why we created a series called help about a fictional helpline for life's inevitable. Everything else was because that's what we all wished existed. You know, I, I, I wish that there was a number in, in April, May, June, July of, of last year that I could have called that would have helped me with all the little tiny problems. Um, Cause I, you know, there's certain, there was nothing I could do about the big ones. Um, mm. But, you know, we wanted to focus on the smaller things you know, which, which was different for us is focus on, you know, it's always the end of the world somewhere and um, thinking you have a monster in your closet uh, or trying to, you know, make music over zoom or, um, you know, getting a call from a fictional bureaucrat, um, uh, friendly fictional bureaucrat. Um, we're just things that we wanted you know, and, and, and ways that we wish we could have replaced or, or adjusted our reality. And we couldn't, so uh, we did it anyway. <laughs> I dig it. Evan, if folks want to follow along and uh, catch up with what uh, Candle House is doing next, what's the best way for them, for them to do that? Uh, so uh, we're at candlehousecollective.com um, and we're on Instagram at candlehousecollective. Uh, Insta- we uh, we suggest signing up for our mailing list. That's where we notify people about tickets first and we post on Instagram shortly after. Um, because the work is one-on-one, uh, tickets tend to go pretty quickly. So uh, the mailing list is definitely your best bet. All right. And we here at NoPro encourage you to do just that. Evan Knighton, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thanks, Noah. <laughs> that for an episode of no proscenium we got installation art in the netherlands we've got theme parks and virtual reality technology we've got telephone based theater experiences and of course a little more vr in the form of the pick of the week 
we like to bring it all together here. We really do. Um, that's also what we like to do when we do our gatherings, which the next stage in January is going to be, uh, something else we have going on. Uh, we have our friends from room escape artist who've been on the show and uh, you've heard them a couple times and they are right now. I think they're just getting back from Montreal where they were doing one of their, um, one of their escape room tours. So they do an event called Recon, which is a deep dive into the escape room uh, universe, uh, brings a lot of folks uh, from the business side and the creative side together. They are going to be doing that in person next year. They've done it online for the last two years because, of course, you know, the reasons. Anyway, we're going to have like a, a little mini version of Recon. I think it's safe to say that because uh, David and Lisa and PG are going to all be at the next stage running our immersive gaming track. So we've got that going on for us. Uh, we've got Escape from Gato and Casting, which were originally planned for the 2020 uh, festival. Um, they're going to be, those parts are going to be in, uh, as we mentioned, Royal Shakespeare Company, folks from the department studios. We've got Assad from Jadu. Uh, so we're representing on the AR side of things. Uh, there's this growing list of folks who are going to be there. Obviously, we mentioned WDI earlier. I, I, uh, I mean, it's my own event, but I put together the event that I wish existed. And, you know, we've done this a few times now uh, under different names and in different combinations. But I got to say, this is the one that I've been most excited about. And of course, you know, it's the one that the pandemic has kept us from doing. So badges are now on sale. They're available to everybody. Uh, it's not cheap, but that's because every dollar goes into making this the absolute best experience that we can. And I, I do mean that <laughs> because we are, we are we're cutting our own fees to the bone uh, just to make it happen. Uh, because we want to give, uh, we want to give you all uh, an incredible chance to connect with folks from around the world. And indeed, we've got folks coming in from England. Uh, we've got some folks coming in from Singapore. Uh, there's, there's more every day as folks are, are hearing the siren call of Pasadena, which really, if, if you're not from around LA, Pasadena's kind of nice actually. It's, it's one of our little secrets. So uh, I hope to see you there January 7th, 8th, and 9th. Uh, take the next step in your immersive career. Discover what exists in the disciplines you don't know about. Find your creative soulmate or your next team at the next stage. All right. I'm an awkward pitch man sometimes, I got to admit. Uh, but I believe it. I believe it. And I know it's going to be. Excellent. All right. I have taken up a lot of your weekend. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. Let's get into the credits. First, I need to thank our sustaining backers because they make everything we do possible. They are Ari Hurston, Brittany, Deborah Robinson, Elaine, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentis, David Bassick, Lonnie Hanson, Paul Farnell, Mark Baltazar, Samuel Mustry, Sidney Guillory, and Jan Budman. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart. This show, while I'm the front man, takes a lot of people to keep us afloat. 
Parker Sella is our associate producer, and the schedule falls apart without her. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. You wouldn't know what you were listening to without that. No. <laughs> I want to give special thanks to Siobhan Lachlan for voicing our intro. Catherine Yu is experiencing a well-earned vacation from uh, her uh, thesis events at USC this week. And she is the executive editor of No Pro, and she'll be back soon enough. And this podcast, of course, uh, all the mistakes are mine. Uh, so I take all the blame and uh, what credit you want to ascribe to me. That's it. We'll be back next week. And then the week after, it's going to be a bye week because I take my birthday week off like the teenager I am. So there you go. That's what's going on. Uh, we were originally thinking about maybe doing a special episode because Facebook Connect was going, but I am exhausted. So we'll have all of our impressions about Facebook Connect in the week after. Maybe there'll be a special thing. Uh, you will still get the review crew somehow. I'll probably break my vacation to do that. Uh, so there we go. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll take the review crew off too. I'll decide next week. But until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>